0: Good morning everyone, it's good to see everyone here this morning, Um, we are uh, in chapter 7 of John, we're going to start, pick up where we left off last week, we're going to start in verse 32 and we're going to read all the way to chapter 8 verse 1, so John chapter 7 verses 32 through chapter 8 verse 1. All right, starting in 32, the Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Then Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little while longer, and then I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and not find me, and where I am you cannot come. Then the Jews said among themselves, where does he intend to go that we shall not find him? Does He intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What is this thing that He has said, You will seek Me and not find Me, and where I am you cannot come? On the last day, the great, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to Me and drink. He who believes in Me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this He spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in Him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not given yet, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Therefore many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, Truly this is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the Scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was division among the people because of Him. Now some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid hands on him. Then the officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees, who said to them, Why have you not brought him? And the officers answered, No man ever spoke like this man. Then the Pharisees answered them, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers of Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, he who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? They answered and said to him, Are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. And everyone went to his own house. But Jesus went out to the Mount of Olives. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time this morning. Father, we ask that... the holy spirit be here with us father uh, illumining our minds and our hearts father as we study your word we pray that you will be our teacher this morning and father we thank you for the gift of your word that we uh, sometimes uh, so many times uh, take it for granted but we thank you for our time this morning that we can study your word and even now be preparing our hearts for our morning worship in jesus name we pray amen So, in chapter 7, we've looked at the events uh, surrounding Jesus' trip to the Jewish Feast of the Tabernacles. If you remember, uh, this feast was to commemorate uh, God's provision for the Israelites during the wilderness journey. We talked a little bit about that last week. Uh, Specifically, the feast reminded the people about two things. One, the manna from heaven that that God provided and the water that came from the rock, if you remember. So it is absolutely no coincidence that Jesus had mentioned the manna uh, when he uh, called himself the bread of life, if you remember. Jesus called himself the bread of life. And it is also no coincidence, absolutely no coincidence, that Jesus speaks again here about the living water which He came to offer. The passage today here uh, opens with what Sproul described as an ominous announcement here. Uh, The authorities, the religious leaders who are increasingly growing hostile towards Christ, have... uh, uh, heard that many in the crowds, okay, the crowds surrounding uh, the feast, many were openly speculating that Jesus was the Messiah. And many and John tells us that many had believed in him. So John tells us that the chiefs, excuse me, the, the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him, to arrest him. Now, if you remember the 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 Pharisees and the chief priests really, and the, the chief priests are made up mostly of if you remember the Sadducees. Okay, so we have the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Well, if you know a little bit about the history, there, these two groups were not always you know buddy buddy. They didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things, right? Uh, so, but but here, so, so mostly they're they're politically they're religious opponents of each other. But here, John is talking about their connection. Why? Because he's trying to emphasize that they are uh, cooperating with each other now. Why? Because both groups hate Jesus. So that normally these two groups of people are not walking hand in hand, uh, but we see now that they are. They are united in their hatred, their mutual hatred of Jesus. So John tells us that they sent out officers to arrest Jesus and to bring him back for trial and ultimately execution. Now who were these officers? Well these officers were temple guards who uh, functioned as kind of a a police force and they were composed of Levites. Uh, They were in charge of maintaining order in the temple. That's the officers that they sent out to go get Jesus. Now, we've already seen that uh, Jesus has told his brothers that his time has not yet come. Of course, if you were to ask the Pharisees, uh, they believe that his time has come. And they've had about all they can handle of Jesus. And they are ready uh, to do something about it. Um, So they they had heard everything they wanted to hear. They've issued an arrest warrant, uh, uh, warrant. and now they have dispatched uh, the officers to go to go take him, to bring him back. So John tells us that just as the officers arrived uh, in verses uh, 33 and 34, Jesus spoke uh, openly and said these words, I shall be with you a little longer, and then I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and not find me, and where I am you cannot come. Now the people who are in earshot of Jesus here, uh, they heard these words, however they had no idea what He was talking about. Basically Jesus is saying what? I'm going somewhere, I'm about to leave, I'm going, Uh, you won't be able to find me, and you won't be able to follow me there. That's basically what Jesus is saying, right? And so the Jews have a conversation among themselves. In verse 35 they say, Where does he intend to go that we shall not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? So they're trying to answer this question about where where Jesus is going. So they guessed, okay, so we'll just, he's leaving here. So maybe Jesus is going to leave the region and live among the Jews who dwelt beyond the borders of Israel. Okay, these Greek speaking Jews. Um, as they referred to them, the Jews of the dispersion, the Greek-speaking Jews. And this is really, this is the best they can come up with. That is the best they can come up with as to what Jesus means by Him going somewhere that they won't find Him. So basically they're asking, is, is He leaving the nation? Uh, is He going to live among those Greek-speaking people? Now, we know, because we're good students of uh, of the Bible, uh, the rest of the New Testament makes it abundantly clear what Jesus is talking about here, doesn't it? What is Jesus is speaking, what? Ultimately about His ascension back into heaven. Ultimately, that's what Jesus is speaking about right here. Uh, Dr. Sproul said that He is... Convinced that the most neglected dimension of the life of Jesus in the church today is His ascension. The most neglected um, aspect or dimension of the life of Jesus in the church today is His ascension. He adds that without it, the cross and the resurrection are meaningless. And he's right. Without the ascension, the cross and the resurrection are are meaningless the the climax the apex of jesus 's earthly ministry is when he ascended back into heaven, and then he did what he sat down at the right hand of the Father it was his at that point that was he was coronated if you want to say it was his coronation as the king of kings and the Lord of lords it was It was at that moment when Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father it was that moment that jesus 's glory was Return to him in that heavenly kingdom. The thing, the part that he had set aside. He had, he had, uh, he had set aside when he came here uh, to live among a sinful people. Well, uh, the narratives in John's narrative, it sort of breaks here at this point. It kind of leaves us hanging about. You're talking about that they're going to send officers to arrest Jesus. Um, he's saying, "I'm going somewhere that you don't know where I'm going." They're trying to figure this out. And so uh, this discussion. Um, and then John kind of skips. He just pause, hits pause on that for a minute. And skips to an event that happened on the last day of the feast. Feast, uh, verse uh, The first part of verse 37. John says, On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying... Now, just pause just just for a moment. It's uh, You can... Try to imagine the scene uh, for a moment. This is, remember, one of the most popular feasts among the people. So large numbers of people here. And this is the the great day or the last day uh, of the feast. So it's it's like the climax of the feast. Right? It's the biggest day, and so uh, the crowds have gathered in Jerusalem, and they are waiting uh, for this. Part of the feast where it's a sacred ceremony of the pouring of the water. Uh, again, similar, remember what we said the feast was about? The, God's provision for Israel in the wilderness. One being the manna. And then the, uh, the other when Moses brought water from the rock. And so as a part of the feast... They had this ceremony where um, they would, they would symbolize the pouring out of the water. And so all the people could watch this and just, you know, rejoice and remember uh, that the water came from the rock and they would celebrate. So this is, this is a big deal with the feast, right? It's the greatest day. And so this is about to happen. And so all of a sudden, Jesus just comes right into their midst, right? And he begins to shout. So this again, you just you can just we all know what's coming. We do this every year. It's a big deal. Everybody's there, and then Jesus stops and he begins to shout. So everyone you can imagine just would would stop probably and turn and look, turn to listen. What's he got to say here now? And we're about to do this pouring out of the water, and now he he wants to speak So everybody. You can imagine uh, the attention he got. And we read what does Jesus say? It's in verse thirty-seven. 38, he says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, Jesus has talked about living water already, hasn't he? Who did he? We've already studied a little bit about Jesus talking about the living water. Who did? Who did he talk to earlier in John's Gospel? That's the living water. Mm-hmm. Woman at the well, right? The woman at the well, he had an in-depth conversation. Remember, he told her everything about her. Remember those things that the woman said. And he talked about this living water. What was different though about that about that uh, situation? That was, it was just one-on-one. That was a one-on-one discussion, wasn't it? That was just Jesus and the woman at the well. They were there together, alone. That was was a private discussion that he had with the woman at the well. Well, here, he shouts an invitation about living water to the masses. And he invites them, what? To come to him and drink. uh, Again, based on what we know about this feast, uh, the significance of Jesus' invitation here uh, centers around the fact that Jesus knows that he was the fulfillment really of what they're celebrating in the Feast of the Tabernacles, the living water that came out of the rock. He is the fulfillment of that. He has the answer. He has the living water. He was the one who provided provided the living water and now he is going to offer it to give uh, eternal life to all men who believe. So in a very real way, there's a really strong connection here, Right? To the significance of what's happening at the feast, it's a strong. It's, it's 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 perfect timing. It is perfect timing for Jesus to talk about why He's here. John um, kind of offers some uh, explanation, right? John offers his little his commentary as he's done uh, many times, and he explains here in verse thirty-nine after Jesus talks about uh, the living water, uh, John tells us that He spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in Him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, uh, let's do a little bit of uh, background. Um, The Holy Spirit, as we know, Appears uh, many times in the Old Testament. Uh, it's uh, it was the Holy Spirit, in fact, who anointed the prophets. If you remember, the Holy Spirit anointed priests and even uh, the kings. It it was uh, the Holy Spirit who changed the heart of unbelievers in the Old Testament, and made them into the people of God. Very much like He does today. It was uh, so as it was in the holy spirit uh, and still is today there is no regeneration no salvation without the work and the operation and the ministry of the holy spirit that has not changed that is a new thing That is not a new thing okay in the new testament it's the holy spirit is given differently and we're going to talk about that but but it is it is still and always has been the function of the Holy Spirit to bring regeneration and salvation. Now, during the uh, wanderings of Israel, uh, this is one time I I enjoyed going back and reading this in Numbers. If you remember back in Numbers 11, uh, we read that at one point uh, in the wilderness, the wanderings, Moses had become so distressed, so uh, aggravated, um, and just depressed over the complaints of the people that if you remember in, in Numbers 11, he even asked God to do what? He said, God, take my life. I am, I am overwhelmed at the grumblings and the complaints of these people. And we found that in Numbers 11, chapter 11, verses 15. What was, what was God's response? In response, God told Moses, "Right, to bring the seven, bring seventy elders to the tabernacle, or what? God would take from the spirit that He had given Moses, and He would then do what? Distribute it to the elders, so they could help Moses bear the burden of ministry. And what happens? And, 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 they, and that happens, right? And then the spirit did come upon those men. And what happened? They prophesied, is what we read in Numbers." We also read in that same um, same point that two men had stayed back in the camp. Two of the seventy had not come up, and, and but but what happened? They weren't there. But but when when the whole, when when God redistributed the Holy Spirit among them, they weren't present. But they started prophesying anyway, even though they weren't present. They started prophesying, and and so Moses' assistant jo, uh, Joshua he didn't really understand what was going on here. He got upset. Right? And he came and told Moses, Moses, my Lord, forbid it. Tell him to stop. Because he assumed that, you know, hey, this is not right because they weren't here. What was, and, and, and what was Moses' response? We read it in chapter 11, verse 29. To, this, to, to, to um, uh, Joshua who came, he was upset. Moses replied, Are you zealous for my sake? He says, Oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets. And that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. What was the prayer of Moses? Lord, send your spirit on all of your people. Just like you did right here. Send it so they may, uh, so they may see the things of the Lord. So that the spirit will be upon them. That was Moses' prayer. The Holy Spirit is not unique to the New Testament, right? Very active in the Old Testament. Now what we hear, uh, we hear when we hear Moses saying here, um, was also used in uh, in, the, in Joel and in the, in the words of Joel as prophecy from Joel, who spoke of the word of the Lord saying this. And we read it in Joel two twenty eight. He says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Now we're offering all this as a backdrop to what Jesus is talking about, about the giving of the Holy Spirit, about John's commentary, about John saying Jesus was talking about the Spirit, it hasn't happened yet in the narrative because Jesus has not ascended. And so what we do know is that the Spirit, the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit did happen, just as was prophesied. And it happened at Pentecost. And that's when as Sproul said, I think he said, all of heaven broke loose, and the Spirit de- descended on the church. What an amazing day we read about that in Acts two. And with the spirits coming at Pentecost, Martin Luther called what Martin Luther called the priesthood of all believers became a reality. Every believer at Pentecost was empowered by the Holy Spirit to participate in the ministry of Christ's kingdom. Truly a gift, an amazing gift to the church. And so what we know uh, today, if you are a Christian, if you are a believer, then the reality is, you have received the same Holy Spirit. You are anointed by God to be used for the sake of His kingdom. Your life is not your own. If you are a believer, you have been redeemed. The things that you are about, your priorities... The things that uh, you make important in your schedule—they're not yours anymore. They're not yours. Your agenda, your schedule, your plans—they're not yours anymore. What? Yeah. You've been set apart. You have the Holy Spirit upon you for what? For whose? For to be used for what? To be used for God for the sake of His kingdom. Not your own kingdom, not my kingdom. I am not building my kingdom, although many times I find myself trying to do just that—try to build my own kingdom for my sake. Well, the word teaches us that that's not the way it is for believers. Jesus invited uh, the people gathered there uh, for the to the feast to come to Him for salvation and for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. At this time in the narrative, of course, that great outpouring, that Pentecost, was still a future hope. John makes it clear in his commentary that the Spirit would not be given until Jesus returns to His glory in heaven. The, the Holy Spirit, is what John was telling us, would, would, would come not come on to the church until what? The Son had been lifted up and returned to the Father. Then what would happen at that time? The Father and the Son would then what? Send the Holy Spirit to the church to then do what? Apply the work of the Son. Remember, Jesus talked about that. He says, it's good that I go because I'm going to send a helper. Jesus said, "I have to ascend first before I can send the Helper." But it's good that I go. They wanted him to stay. Remember, Jesus, don't leave us. And you and I would have said the exact same thing. Have we been standing there? Please, Jesus, do not leave us. Look at everything that's happened. Do not leave us. But Jesus said, "I have to go." Says it's good for you that I go because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. John continues here in verses 40. 42 he says therefore many from the crowd when they heard this saying said truly this is the prophet others said this is the christ but some said will the christ come out of galilee has not the scripture said that the christ comes from the seed of david and from the town of bethlehem where david was So basically the people are trying to decide for themselves, um, hey, we all know where Christ is coming from. Okay? We've read the Old Testament. We've read the prophecy in Micah. Christ is to come from Bethlehem. From Judea. The city of David. Well, of course, obviously these people had no idea that that's exactly where Jesus was born. In Bethlehem, just as was... Prophesied. All, all they knew, is that he came from Galilee. That's all they knew. They didn't know where he was actually born. They didn't. They didn't even bother to investigate his true birthplace. They didn't even think about doing. That. They just which which it, the fact that they didn't even try to look into that shows their lack of interest really in his credentials to be the Messiah. They didn't even did even ask. Hey hey Jesus, where are you born? And we think, we know even got from Galilee. Where were you born? He would have answered them, right? Probably told them the truth. Um, they didn't even think to ask him that. So, they have, they're have scratching their heads here. I think he's the Messiah. Look at all the things that he's done. But, but he can't be. He's not from Bethlehem. Is this the prophet that Moses told us about in Deuteronomy? Is he the Messiah? Really? Well, again, I think he is. I I don't know. He can't be. He doesn't meet the the credentials here. So, John continues in verses 43 and 44. He says, So there was a division among the people because of him. He said, Now, some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid hands on him. Division among the people because of him. Has anything changed today? There is still division among the people about who Jesus is, isn't it? Aren't it, isn't it, today? There is still division among the people. Some people thought he should be locked away as a blasphemer. They would agree with the Pharisees. No, they need to lock him up. But it says they took no action. Very possibly, well, one thing we know that Jesus said, Hey, my, my time has not come yet. So it's not the time yet. But And so that's very important. Uh, maybe when the people looked at the large number of believers, they were probably a little intimidated. Well, we can't take him now. Look at all these people who uh, we believe we'd have a mob on our hands. We'd have a, a big fight or something. What, what about the temple officers who had been sent to arrest Jesus? What happened with them? Okay, so they were sent out. They're in agreement, right? Of these two groups, the Pharisees and Sadducees, were now agreeing because we hate Jesus. Send out these Levites to go arrest him, and when they come, he said those words: "If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink." So, even even the officers, the people were guessing: "Is this really the prophet? Is this the Christ?" So, the officers went back without him. They 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 didn't they they didn't know what to do, and and of course. When they got back to those who had sent them, uh, those Jewish leaders were quite frustrated, right? I sent you out. I got an arrest warrant. I tell you to bring him back. And you came back empty-handed. What's up? What's the deal? So verses 45, we read what kind of what happens. First, second half of 45 says, Why have you not brought him? They asked the officers, of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Why haven't you not brought him? And they answered, what was their answer? Verse 46. No man ever spoke like this man. No man ever spoke like this man. What's, you know, I guess the first place my mind goes is there's power in the words of Jesus. Isn't it? No one, and that's true. No man. Had ever spoken like this man. No man had. And no man ever will. And they recognized that. Even though they were there to arrest him. They recognized this man is different. There's power in what he says. He doesn't speak like the scribes and the Pharisees. Under someone else. He speaks on his own authority. He's different. They... They heard the authority in Jesus' teaching and what? They couldn't even lay a hand on Him. They couldn't even lay a hand on Him. Remember, the officers were who? I said it earlier. They were Levites. Okay? So what does that tell you? These are not hired law enforcement officers. Remember? Remember? These are religious officers, guarded or charged with protecting the temple, right? The order of the temple. They had religious training. So Jesus' words struck them to their heart. They, they, they knew this is different. Okay, they're not there just to do a job. They're, they have this this training, this religious training. So they this is completely different. No one's ever no man has ever spoken like this man. Well, what about the Pharisees? They are not happy, are they? They are not happy. Verses uh, 47 through 49. The Pharisees are are going to talk back to the officers and say, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in Him? But this crown that does not know the law is accursed. Dr. Sproul said, I don't believe there has ever been a more arrogant bunch in all of history than the Pharisees. The first thing they asked, the officers, right? They accused them of being deceived. Have, are you also deceived? Has, has Jesus also got you under His spell? Has He put some trance on you where or, or you believe actually the things He's saying are true? The, the Pharisees mocked. The officers, didn't they? That's what they were doing. They were mocking them. Not, not on, a, 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 on a professional level, like as police officers. They were knock, mocking them on religious grounds, as Levites. Like, you ought to know better. You know the scriptures. You ought to, of all people, you ought to know better. And then, you know, they gave the officers some terrible advice. They said that the, you as officers, you ought to follow our, our example. That's that's what he told them, right? Because none of them had believed in Jesus. None of the Pharisees had believed in Jesus. So you need to do like us. You need to follow our example. No no worse advice has ever been given, right? Follow our example. Coming from a Pharisee. Then they talked about the crowds. Okay? Um, They said that the crowds were uneducated. These people have no clue what they're talking about. The people have no learning. They have not studied. How can you listen to them? You have to listen to us. The, the, we have devoted our lives to studies of the Scriptures. These crowds don't know anything about it. They're completely uneducated. How in the world can you listen to them? They, they basically said that the crowds, the people, were ignorant of the law of God and that they should know better. You should know better, Levites, officers. There's no way that Jesus is the Messiah. And then we meet someone that we've, we met a couple of chapters ago, right? Verse 50 and 51. Nicodemus. We remember Nicodemus early in, in the book of John. Nicodemus, he, and John reminds us, he who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, in parentheses said to them does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he's doing remember Nicodemus right we remember him uh, remember he had he had come at night he, he was interested Jesus had, had 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 perked his interest he knew something was different about Jesus if you remember early on in his life and and Jesus's in Jesus' ministry but remember, Nicodemus had come at night. Why? He, he, he needed some cover, remember? He, he needed, he, he's part of the group. He's part of the, one of the religious leaders. Right? I, can't, I can't go to him openly. I need to go and cover. I need to go at night. But but something there is, is real. You remember what the whole conversation centered around what? With, John, with Jesus and Nicodemus. About being born again, right? And that was that was that was the point of the discussion. Remember, Nicodemus, can a walk, can a man enter into his mother's womb a second time and be born again? Well, and and so, what is Nicodemus? What, what's he saying here in, in these words? Here? What is his point? His point is, excuse me, guys. Okay, before y'all get all carried away and go do this, he says, "Is this the way we operate within our law? Is this what we do? Is this how we our law says to operate?" Well. Will we condemn a man without even hearing a word from him? Without any investigation? That's basically what Nicodemus was saying. He he was arguing that if the Pharisees wanted to use the law to judge Jesus, then they ought to follow the law in doing so. Now, as uh, I did read as part of the study that there's actually no specific Old Testament law that addresses what Nicodemus is referring to here. However, the best thing that uh, was probably going on here is that Nicodemus is referring to, remember the Pharisees added a lot of things, right? Remember they added a lot of oral traditions to the law. And that's most likely what Nicodemus was referring to. Because they can't find a specific Old Testament um, thing, uh, law about this, but he's most likely referring to what they had added. If you remember, they, had, they were very good at adding things uh, to the law, oral traditions of the Pharisees. Well, so you got this group. We're ready to arrest him. Nicodemus speaks up. And so they hate Jesus, but now their hatred is going to turn around. It's going to be focused back at Nicodemus. What do they say in verse 52? They answered and said to him, Nicodemus, are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. This this was an insult to Nicodemus. Okay, they were trying to insult him. They're, they're, they're asking, Are you also from Galilee? Are you basically saying, Are you just as ignorant as the rest of them? You know, that's that's what they were saying. That's what they they're accusing him of being of Galilee. And yet you're one of us. So this is a huge insult to Nicodemus. They, they were accusing him of acting just as ignorant as a Jew from Galilee. Because remember, that was, that's the northern part. It's above Samaria, right? Uh, and, and in their minds, the, the Pharisees, and in their minds, uh, the case, this case is closed because uh, no prophet had ever come out of Galilee, so no one ever could. But is that exactly true? Is it true that no prophet had ever come out of Galilee? Well, um, they were accru- accusing the crowds of ignorance, being ignorant, no prophet ever come out of Galilee, when they themselves were the ignorant ones. Jonah came from Galilee. you know that? I didn't know that until I just studied. And think about it. I had to go back and reread. He came from the northern kingdom. He came from Galilee. So... <coughs> The learned men, the ones that are telling the officers, Hey, you gotta follow our example. They don't even know what they're talking about. So they're saying the crowds are ignorant of the law when it is they themselves who are really the ignorant ones. Well, what happens? with this this moment here, it, it just passes. John, John doesn't really tell us, okay, a lot what happens. He just It just passes and the officers uh, were not sent back as far as we can tell to go arrest Jesus. They weren't sent back. It just kind of ends there. And then, all of a sudden, John tells us that the feast has ended and everyone's gone back to their houses. It's over. We read that in verse 54. But what is 8, chapter 8, verse 1, it says, but Jesus went... To the Mount of Olives. Why do you think he did that? Did Jesus have a house to go back to? The king of the universe didn't even have a bed to lay down on, did he? Of his own at this point. No house to go back to that he called his own. No, no refuge, right, to go back into and retreat to. So where does he go? Into the Mount of Olives to to meditate, to pray, to because why? What what? Why does he? Why do you think he has no other house to go to? But he goes there. What? That's his refuge. That's his place of solitude, isn't it? It's a place for do what? I need I need to go talk to my father. I didn't need to go talk to my Father. Because you know what? Jesus knows at this point what's about to happen. He knows what's coming. And it's going to be very, very hard. We talked about it last week. This fully human being Jesus Himself. Fully human, right? He knows what the the divine nature has revealed. It's coming. I know what's coming. And and it's going to be very soon when they are going to come to arrest me and it's going to be the time. Right now it's not the time. But the time is coming. And we know that that's on his mind and in his heart. And I need, I need to go out. I need to talk to my Father. I need to pray for encouragement. I need to pray for strength. I need to pray to my Father because He knows I'm about to be taken out of this world. I'm back to my Father. When you get beat up in the world, where do you go? When you get accused of all sorts of things that are not true, where do you go? We should go where Jesus went to the Father in prayer, in solitude. Lord, give me the strength. Help me to know what I'm to do. Help me, give me the the strength and the courage to continue to seek your will. Why? Why was the Holy Spirit given to you? For the sake of his kingdom, His agenda, not your own. That means we are going to have the same resistance a lot of times that Jesus had. And where do we go? We'll go to the Father in prayer. Father, strengthen us. It's going to be difficult, I know. But following You is the only way for me. So give me the strength. Any uh, questions or any comments? we got just a couple minutes left. Okay, hearing none, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank You for our time this morning. Father, we ask that You use Your Word. Father, we pray that You use it to to soften our hearts. Father, we pray that we won't have hard hearts when we hear Your truth. Father, we pray that we will hear truth and take it in through our soul. And we pray that each and every day that we would seek to honor you with our lips and with our words and with our deeds. And knowing full well that the times are coming when this kind of life that that is seeking to follow Jesus will be met with hostility and with some great hostility. But Father, we know you are in control and you have won the battle. So Father, we thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.